Hi, this is Jordan. And I'm Brian. And you're listening to The Quality Varies. Hi, Brian. What episode is this? Uh, I don't know. What episode is it? 29? Why'd you look at your watch? 30? What, what was your watch going to tell you, Brian? Are you wearing a watch right now? You're not even... Gosh, dang it, you got me. It's a nervous tick, I guess. I don't know. What is your what is your college football hoodie telling you? Um, it's telling me it's raining outside, and I love wearing this hoodie, so I'm wearing it. Yo, true that. You and me, you and me both with our hoodies that we're wearing right now. Yeah, I think nine out of nine times that I see you, you're wearing uh, an identical hoodie to that. Well, I have three of them. I know you told me that. Yeah. Yeah. But one of them has a bleach stain on one of the sleeves. That's well, you shouldn't be able to remember that. That's just not okay. I saw it one time. It's this one. Hey, what'd I tell you? Hey. What are we talking about today, Brad? Thank you Uh, for that. It's going to be a good episode today, Jordan. We're going to talk all about you. I I don't recall that being in the show notes. We're going to talk all about you. And why wouldn't we talk about you, Jordan? You're a hero. A hero? A hero. Why wouldn't we be? I don't know. I'm trying to think of who I would be a hero to. I'm a hero to the local grocery store because I go like five times a week. Does that count? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I am a hero to, and you are a hero, to the small amount of people in this world that for some reason like to listen to us talk by providing such lengthy content for them to listen to. Okay. Okay. Maybe. Maybe not. Who knows? I'm pretty confident. So, you like stories, don't you? I do like stories. You like telling stories. You like watching and reading and listening to stories. One could say, uh, I am a fan. You know what's common in just about every story? The hero's journey. There is a hero who goes on a journey. And you're that hero, Jordan. Yeah, I'm so glad. So what... What stage am I in if I'm in the hero's journey? Is there a stage that is uh, an extended period of anxiety? (laughs) Is Uh, that a part of the hero's journey? Probably, yeah, actually. Let's see. Um, Well, you got the call to adventure. I don't think you're in that one. I've done that. I've been been called, and I'm doing the thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, what what a beautiful phenomenon, the call to adventure. Oh, it's... There's just nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Do you have an example in your life, either past or present, of a call to adventure? Oh, jeez. While you're thinking about it, I want to bring up a random concept that really fascinates me. I don't know if I've brought it up in the show before. Um, but have you ever been like at the edge of a boat, or at the edge of a building, or at the edge of a balcony? And like you wouldn't do it, but like the thought crosses your mind, like you could like, I could just jump off the boat. Like I could just do it. I yeah. can do it right now. All the time. It's called the Call of the Void. Okay, well. Yeah, uh, I would actually, yeah, I've taught people about this before. When On hikes, we'd be like standing on a cliff, and I'd be like, hey, bro, come stand next to me on the edge of this cliff. And I'd just like have them stand there for a minute. I'd just say like, hey, do you feel that? And like, yeah, like I kind of want to jump off. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Now step away. <laughs> but that's a that's a thing people measure that it's called the call of the void 
I just want to clarify. So you you did this experiment with <laughs> with mentally with ill men, people. Yes. yes, with mentally ill men who were suffering with extreme addiction, extreme depression. Withdrawal. Yep. And all right. Yes. Nice. Yeah. I'm just picturing you like you're like come up to the thing and <laughs> and then they get done with like their dialogue and their epiphany. And then they look down and they see you just like holding onto their belt loop. Yeah, yeah, like I, yeah. Well, that concept it it fascinates me. Whenever you can put a definition, like something measurable, and realize that yes, it's a thing, mm-hmm. as a name, other people recognize it. Then it's just fun. It's just cool. Um, yeah. And it can be for super small things as well, like sending a text message, you know, to somebody that that. Uh, maybe for whatever reason maybe you want to share your feelings to mm-hmm. somebody mm-hmm. over text message or you want to rant you want to tell your boss how you feel about them <laughs> i you know i could do it I, I could send it i could send it right now yeah kind of on a smaller scale just like that that feeling because the feeling is like it, you do something and then things would like things would change irrevocably that's kind of the concept of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The change that would happen if you jumped off a cliff was you'd, you'd probably die. The change that would happen if you sent that text is you would now, like, relationship with that person or with that boss mm-hmm. would change. Mm-hmm. And you, you no longer, you can't stop it anymore. You've, you've sent the train on its way. Well, you've jumped off a cliff. Yeah, yeah. I think I have done no study into the call of the void. I read about it one time thought hmm that's cool and then never looked at it again but i think i think people feel that in both situations sending the risky text you know standing on the edge of a of a cliff i think we feel that because we long for that that sense of excitement just before tragedy <laughs> okay and yes, it is, that is a specific thing that we long for. The the excitement before the tragedy. We don't really long for tragedy most of the time. At least, well, yeah. We don't really long for tragedy because it just happens so much. Yeah. We don't have to want it. It just happens. But I, I yeah, I think some some part of us just loves the feeling of falling. In both scenarios, you do, it is either a physical jump or a metaphorical jump into some unknown, right? Possibly tragedy, yeah. possibly not. Say if you're sending a letter or a email or a text, jeez, who sends letters anymore? Say you're, <laughs> you've written a text and you're about to send it to somebody that you really, you really admire and you're telling, you're confessing deep feelings of, of love or, you know, whatever to like you were sending an, an email to Jordan Peterson. I that's a little different. I'm thinking more of like a romantic situation where okay, good to know. One person you do not have is, romantic. <laughs> no, I do not. Uh, one person longs for like a deep romantic love for with with another person, and so they so you send a text right, and you've got it written up. And you can either send it and jump or delete it and step back. And the benefit to stepping back is you don't break your legs. You will absolutely not break your legs at the bottom of the cliff. Yeah. But 
you're still at the top there's of the no cliff. chance of tragedy right but you're still at the top of In the that, cliff yeah looking down at what you want you yes. know so you jump or you don't but if you jump you'll have this feeling of powerlessness right as soon as your foot leaves that rock out in the middle of the desert, you are absolutely powerless. You have no control over your body. You will be plunged to the earth. You might have a little bit of lateral control over like how you fall. or You can start sending frantic secondary text messages <laughs> to just dig yourself a deeper hole. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, oh, sorry, that was the that wasn't for you. That was for somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Unless unless it was for you, I don't know. Well, how do you yeah, think about this? Depending yeah, on how I, you respond, because yeah. once you jump, you're you're in the air, you're and you're just falling, and you have little to no control over what happens next. And this cliff that I would take people to, there was like a sandy, dry riverbank at the bottom. It was about. I would say it was 15 to 20 feet high. Rough estimate. I mean, I, I really don't know. It looked plausible that you could maybe... You, you would probably survive unless you, like, dove and landed directly onto your head. Yeah. But there's, like, this sandy path that we, that you walk up to get to the to the cliff anyway. So you can jump... Which nobody ever did, thank goodness. Because you'd probably break a leg. Like, but. Yes, I feel like I would have been aware of <laughs> that. <laughs> hey, where'd, uh, where'd X client go? Uh-huh. Why doesn't Brian work here anymore? Because mm. <laughs> he told this guy to go stand on a cliff edge. He was teaching somebody um, a philosophical lesson. Yeah. And the lesson one. The lesson one, yes. <laughs> Indeed. Do you feel like they're, depending on the type of call of a void that you're going for, do you feel like there's a, do you feel like a certain kind of adrenaline junkie? Because adrenaline junkies are their own, their own kind of crazy. Do you feel like adrenaline junkies fall within this excitement of the call of the void? Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Um, I do. Yes. I think, um, yeah. Part of it is the potential tragedy at the bottom yes it's a gamble kind of in a way sending the text jumping out of an airplane yeah i think it's the same thing it's adrenaline junkies they will seek out the call of the void they'll go to the top of the cliff and they'll come prepared and they'll jump off and you do that for fun and um i think there's there's a lot of power in doing something like that because the reason that you don't jump off the cliff is fear. Yeah. And you can, I mean, you can argue and say, well, it's self-preservation. Well, I mean, yeah, if you're actually standing on a cliff without a rope or a parachute, not jumping off is sure. Yeah. You can say that. Well, and in the literal in the literal sense we've talked about like the the brain like on a literal sense the brain is doing the self-preservation mm-hmm. when i mean we can just we can just stick with the 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 love text um i don't think it needs to be said but you know personally i don't know if that is something that needs to go to text message maybe you you know talk in a different form um but you know if that's the way that you're going to do it then you're definitely going to experience this but mm-hmm. 
like the the brain is just trying to get you out of pain and so the brain is doing that self-preservation mm-hmm. even self-preservation is a function of fear or no i'm sorry i said that backwards fear is a function of self-preservation yep not sending the text or not walking up to someone that you admire and telling them that's that is a fear response so okay can i get super can so i get like, super deep yeah go for it adrenaline junkie like there's a certain kind of person in the world that i'm like they they go you know they go skydiving without a parachute or something because it's people have survived it in the past yeah. so that means that you know well, it's, the, it it's to conquer but, the fear. It's to conquer that fear yeah. of what happens at the bottom. But they, you said they prepare. And so the reason that it's not just death and it's a adrenaline-filled experience is because they're going and it's still kind of a gamble. It's a high-risk thing. Mm-hmm. It's different than just sitting down and playing video games for the afternoon mm-hmm. um, as far as risk goes. But they come prepared with equipment and with training so that they, the chances are they are going to make it, make it through it. Right. But it's still an adrenaline field experience. So can I suggest that there's the same kind of a preparedness that can be there for the person that sends out the emotional text message? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't want to just throw your feelings around to the wind. I mean, that's, I mean, that's how you get battered. That's how you get taken advantage of and... And just I think about abused. that meme with like that jelly in the box, and the jelly is like leaving the box. Yeah, He's yeah. Like, I'm gonna go see the world, and then just gets punched. Uh huh. And like never, never again. again. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So what's I mean preparing for that? I mean what what are the what are the tools for somebody that's afraid of those kinds of calls of the void? Uh, I mean better, stronger, like stronger self love, or sense of self in general. Yeah, or yeah pe- I mean, like peace, peace with self is mm-hmm. gonna, that's gonna make external stuff, you know, hit, um, hit a little softer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So if we can go back to this this parable of the hero's journey, if you don't mind, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking about a call to adventure, and realizing that you want to tell somebody that you have strong feelings for them. That's a call to adventure. And so you, obviously you already think about them a lot, but you start thinking about how you can approach them in this way. And maybe you really start analyzing your feelings for them. And maybe you start second guessing yourself or questioning these feelings. Do I actually feel this strongly about this person? Oh yeah, I do. They're great. They're physically attractive. They're emotionally mature um i resonate with them on some kind of spiritual or metaphysical level yeah i really do feel this way that's the the preparation stage where you're you're like you're getting ready some like this part of the hero's journey in a literary sense is the supernatural aid part where you you get like the hero will get the magic weapon or whatever or they'll get the the spell or the Perseus gets a I think Perseus gets a Pegasus to help him on his journey. Frodo has Gandalf, right? Bilbo gets Sting. Uh they have this like thing that they get to help them. And so as you're preparing to write this email or text message or 
going up to or like approaching this person with your feelings, you start to crystallize your own feelings about this person. That's your magic item. That is your supernatural aid. Your your uh, your supernatural help. Those those crystallized thoughts and feelings. That's your your magic wand, I guess, if you want to continue your journey. And then you get to the threshold, and that's where we have. You're standing on the cliff, you've written the text, you're about to hit send, you can either jump off the cliff or back off. And as soon as you hit send, you've crossed a threshold, right? That's that's the thing. Or like you're in the airplane, you've got your parachute, that's your supernatural aid. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, I mean, sidebar... Freaking humans shouldn't be able to jump out of airplanes. Airplanes shouldn't even exist, right? That's that's like a wild, wild thing that we have. This airplane, friggin' flying machines and pieces of fabric that allow us to fall gently. Well, and people before the the Wright brothers had actually gotten it had gotten publicized. The sentiment was widely that god had reserved fly, flying for the birds mm-hmm. that was yeah. the that was the verbal sentiment mm-hmm. yeah and for and for good reason because nothing flew but that's like I don't know, that's a whole different thing so you're at the threshold right you can hit send you can jump or you can back off and delete it you mentioned um self peace i think right did you say self peace yeah, like self-peace, self-love, self-awareness. Self-love, yeah. That is an interesting thing. That comes uh, actually later, after a hero's journey. Once once you have that, you're on a new journey. Because uh, people don't start with that. That's uh, Frodo didn't have self-awareness uh, or real inner peace before he left for Mordor. I think you and I didn't really have that until a little bit later. I'm, uh, we don't need to get into that right now, but we've we've already been through a hero's journey, and now we get to go on more, which is such a cool thing. Yeah, I mean, you're starting a real estate business. That's its own. That's its own whole journey, and. Like I'm continuing my education and that's a whole, that's a whole journey as well. Like over time, I think it becomes not necessarily easier, but, but faster where maybe self-love that I had learned in one instance, I'm able to, to maintain with me when I, when I'm doing something new, um, when I'm in an unfamiliar environment, because I, you know, go, you go back to the Lord of the Rings movies, like Frodo was comfortable. Oh yeah, where he was like where he was Frodo like he had, had Frodo had the yeah. life, man. He had it made, yeah. so he was living on his inheritance that Bilbo won on his hero's journey. Bilbo went out, fought the dragon, and he got filthy, stinking rich. He bought like yeah. half the countryside, and Frodo just inherited all that and had the softest, easiest life ahead of him if he. If he never left. And he had the, like, he had, in all the healthy ways as well. Like, he had friends, he had family. He had, he had, he had, well, well he had friends. 
but he like I don't know if he, it's healthy. I mean, it wasn't. I don't think there was it a certain been, amount of content. There was yeah. the opportunity to just be content. Yeah, but I, there was a certain amount of like he he felt comfortable in that, and there sure. was there was like self confidence that was present in that environment, and maybe self confidence is what I'm actually referring to because I think mm-hmm. like self love is maybe a higher, an elevated version of that. Yes. Yes. Because there's the ones where, like, I can feel confident in one situation and not in another. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, self-love is something that can really carry itself through, you know, all different areas of life. So maybe yeah. um, Frodo had self-confidence. His situation and, and the things that he thought that he was going to need to do for the rest of his life. But then stuff changed a bit aggressively for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that self-confidence dropped away pretty um, pretty quick and then it's just a roller coaster of, of that but then at the end of that um it wasn't just self-confidence that he had it was it was this self-love it was this kind of elevated elevated thing that he's not going to lose just you know wherever he's going on that boat with the elves like he's right. not going to be losing that self-love that time around right right but that's a whole like leaving le- sailing sailing west with the elves that was a whole new journey for yeah, that was a whole new thing yeah. And right, I think you, I think you hit it. I think you hit it right on the head when you said confidence. I think complacence is what Frodo had before before the ring kind of came to him and yeah. or, like and pushed him into the into the journey. I think he was complacent, and and like you and I, everybody, we get complacent with our life that it's comfortable we you know we're not hurting for anything we have enough it's fine you know we're happy enough we're okay with everything but once you cross that threshold once you start that journey you will start to become changed in a way that you can never revert like yeah. once you man once you step foot out out that door you're never going back you will never go back to that same house again yeah what's the what's the threshold jordan what's the threshold the threshold what does it take For... to go through the threshold you know this answer this is a desert solace question uh, a choice yeah what what does it take to make the choice <laughs> on a scale of 1 to 1000 does that ring any bells so you got like T- 10 20 30 50 100 200 you're talking about like the emotions energies yeah 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 okay so i think i actually just found hang on i actually think i have the sheet like not 10 steps away from me nice um because one of my friends was was kind of inquiring about it the other day because i i don't know why i'm talking so far away from the mic this is great content before i look at it i think the number is like 260 it's 200 yeah, close it's kind of an arbitrary number it doesn't really matter but yeah okay so maybe maybe i will um maybe i'll take photos of these uh or i can uh, i'm sure i can find it online and then put it in the show notes as far as the emotion the different emotions that we experience and the energy that's connected to those emotions the threshold that you're talking about is where it goes from i don't know draining or just just toxic mm-hmm. for lack of a better word we can say negative destructive and the threshold of that is where it goes from pride at 175 
mm-hmm. I'll go through them real quick. So, so in order with the lowest being shame, which is a very important thing to always be aware of. Yeah. Whatever, whatever is going on in life, the sh- the shame is the thing that's restarting the cycle, and the shame is the thing that's it's doing the, some of the most, most damage d- destructive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so just just working on the shame part of of whatever is happening in somebody's life is is an amazing first place to start. So in order, going up, shame, guilt, apathy, uh, grief, fear, which we talked about a little bit, mm-hmm. desire, anger, pride is at 175, and then courage is at 200. Yes. And that's where it goes from. And the description that's given on the worksheet is is under 200 is force, and then above 200 is power. Mm-hmm. Right. So... Yeah, and then and then I'll just go through the rest of them here while I have them. So above courage, going further upward is uh, neutrality, willingness, acceptance, reason. Uh, love is at five hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, joy, uh, peace is really for a lot of folks. Peace is the like that's the top the, of the, the highest. Yeah. And that was really affirming to me because even like when I was coming into Desert Sauce, like I knew the people would always ask, what do you want? It's like, like for me, that was, you know, who was dealing with a lot of like addiction and, and all this stuff. Like the answer that I always give is like, I, I remember saying like, I just want peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want like mental and personal peace. So that was very, that was very affirming uh, to me. Um, above peace, you do have enlightenment. And so... You know, if you're on track, if you're on track to be, you know, Jesus or Buddha or something, then right. that's a section that you need to look at. Yeah. So. Not for mortality, probably. Yes. But yeah. Um, is that kind of what you were referring to? Yeah. The threshold is, it takes courage, right? It takes courage yes. to jump out of the airplane, to send the text, to walk out the front door and go on a journey. And then after that, you're on the roller coaster, baby. Uh, you are, you're in the, a downward slope into essentially hell. I mean, in, in literature, there's always a sidekick or a friend, a mentor. The, the sidekick's usually there right at the beginning. If not crossing the threshold with you, the first person you meet on the journey that goes with you that becomes your your sidekick or your best friend or your uh helper for frodo it's sam good old sam good old sam uh actually i mean sam is the hero of heroes in the lord of the rings and we can all all intellectuals can agree on that did you know that the pippin the pippin guys they do a podcast yes yeah what is it called the onion or something, the cut oh, on the, the peeled onion. Friendship of the onion friend, the onion of friendship. The onion French. The onion of friendship. That's what it is. And yes, it is Billy, Billy something and Dom. Billy and Dom. Dom McDonald or McDonahue? I don't know. They're it's a the super friend, Scottish the friendship name. onion. Yeah, the friendship onion. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've got a podcast. Go check them out. I. I didn't know. I didn't know it until they their most recent host is one that you and I particularly care about. Yeah, the, so, the guest um, was. Yes. So yeah, um, I saw that too. We, uh, <laughs> I didn't, but I didn't know they existed. And then it took me a good like twenty minutes, just from innocuous references that they were making. And mm-hmm. then when they said would say a word or two, I'm like that 
sounds familiar mm-hmm. uh, for me to recognize that they were the the cast members. Yeah. So courage, you have courage. Mm-hmm. You get on the roller coaster. The roller coaster is going. Mm-hmm. You still have a choice. Your choice is not taken from no, you. No, I, I don't think you do have a choice at that point. I'll finish it, and then you can tell me what your feelings on it are. Okay. You have a choice between two things. You can stick to your guns, or in the middle of the roller coaster, you can try to jump off, and it's just going to be more painful than if, than if you had stopped in the first place. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we're sticking with... Let's try to stick with some continuity here. If you're jumping out of an airplane, you've already jumped. You can't get back in the airplane. You don't have There's things choice. like that. So, like, let's take... For the airplane, yes. You you have two choices in that. You can pull the parachute or you cannot pull the parachute. Right. I would recommend the former. Yes. For, let's take my, my real estate thing. Mm-hmm. I, you know, pick up, leave one state, leave a successful team that was certainly setting me up for success within that within that area go you know go over do my own thing here i am on the roller coaster Mm -hmm. i could if that's the choice like if that's the energy that i'm dropping down to i could go from courage to to fear and i could try to back out i could try to go back to that state i could try to go back to the old safer position but could you really though are you asking like mentally would it be the same oh okay so in that end no it wouldn't it would not be the same right right because you've you've taken the step right you and everybody in that office knows that you came to idaho to start a business so if you went back now you and everybody in that office would know that you quit and you can't change that you could never ever go back to that same office the same way it was but people People do do that, and I would argue that that is the most that is one of the most painful out of like the tree of choices that you can make. Mm-hmm. Jumping in and then trying to back out is one absolutely. of the most painful choices that you can make. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah, but it's so painful because you you want to go back to the way it was, and you can't. Once you take yeah. that step, you can't go back. Yeah, and that's what hurts. I think. And then that's what makes the possibility of them making that jump sometime in the future or a jump sometime in the future all the least, all the less likely. Mm-hmm. Because now their only experience is they did jump. There was only pain. Mm-hmm. There was no reward. Right. Because it's, they're not igno- like, you know, even uh, times I'm sure I've done it. I can't think of something that's like right at the top of my head, but I'm sure at some level I have done something like this. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, everybody has. This is, I love like I love talking about the hero's journey, and all its forms because it's the most quintessential human story. Period. If we yeah. we could break down any movie, book, or TV show, we can break any story that's ever been told into the hero's journey. It is the most human of human experiences. So everybody, so, so everybody's experienced this on some level, yeah. and in many different ways, uh, ju- like like you're just about to tell us. No, I was going to ask you. You in the very beginning, I asked you, and then I gave you some some time to think about if you if you've had an experience of like the call of the uh, call of the void in the past. Uh, yeah, the one that I that I think I can describe in as little time as possible was 
when I had just started college. I was 19 or 20, and I had in my mind that I wanted to be a physical therapist just because I didn't really know what I could be. I didn't re- I absolutely didn't know what I wanted to be. So physical therapy sounded good enough, so I was just moving in that direction. Thankfully, part of the general education at the university I was at was taking a intro to psychology class. Yeah. And I remember it was like the second or third class. I was sitting in class after work. It was a late class. It was at like, um, I think it started at like six and it was like two hour. It was like a two hour lecture that started at six o'clock after it was I like two days a week or something. It was, I think it was once, maybe twice a week, but yeah, it was longer, longer classes. It was a long lecture late at night after a full work day. And so I was falling asleep. I was actually sitting like in the middle, back like towards the middle of the room, but all the way up against a wall. And so like my head was just like leaned up against the wall and I was just like dozing off. And so the the teacher, and I still don't know why he did this, but he came and singled me out out of a whole classroom of others sleeping and, you know, various conscious. Was this a bigger auditorium? Uh, it was, no, it was a classroom that was packed. Um, okay. We were packed like sardines. There was, it was probably a big classroom, but there was, I think there was like 70 students uh, in this classroom. Okay. Yeah. So he comes and singles me out, out of a sea of 70 some odd college freshmen in various stages of consciousness. He comes and pulls me out and puts me in the front row or like second row, like front and center. Yeah. I mean, it did. It worked. I woke up. I paid attention. And the longer he talked, uh, which was a long time, (laughs) it was a a long freaking class. It was a a long buildup. He was a part-time professor at the university. And he, for his day job, his nine to five, he was a therapist. And so he talked about like a a topic of psychology and then he would talk exactly he would talk about exactly how he implemented this this aspect or component of psychology in a therapy room and that just like lit a fire in the bottom of my soul uh and i remember just so clearly that like that's that is it man like all of my questions about behavior and why people act the way they do, I could get all of those answers in this field, and I can help people who I can help people who are getting in their own way to get out of their own way. Yeah, and that was that was kind of the call to adventure, and that was the probably the the most clear. And and concise, at least for the way I could say it, most concise call to adventure that I've ever experienced. So who's your who's your who's your sidekick for that? <laughs> My helper. I mean, it has to be Maddie. I mean, she's yeah, I knew she's it. the only. Yeah, that was a total lawyer question. I knew the answer when I yeah. asked it. 
Well, yeah, and I, I, I'm still even trying to think of anybody else that could have possibly been at any point, and there's there's nobody. It's, yeah, it's my wife, Maddie. She's she's kicked my butt in all the times that she needed to, and she's uh, offered a, a helping hand, you know, every time, every time I needed one. Do you think, and you'll have to speak to this because I, I haven't experienced it, do you feel like that is one of the many factors that makes... I mean, we don't need to speak outside of our own boundaries, but for you, do you feel like that's one of the many factors you you appreciate, like in a marriage, as far as this ability to be like to be a sidekick and to have a sidekick with you, like as you guys go through multiple. I mean, having kids—that's a—that's an experience. Mm-hmm. You making these choices you're making. I'm I'm sure you can think in your head, kind of stuff on Maddie's end. Um, on your wife's end and, and being able to be, you know, that's that, that helper in each other's hero's journey. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's definitely one of the better perks of, of marriage and, and, and long-term relationship for sure. You know, as we go through, as we go through our individual hero's journey, hero's journeys, the refining experience as you as we cross the threshold and you start falling or running down the hill running down the pit into what essentially equates to hell we're we're right by each other and like i said she's always there to either give me a hand or kick me in the butt whatever i need at the moment and more than that more than just having somebody to help me the the process of refinement is also bolstered and boosted by having somebody I care about so deeply with me also being refined on her own journey. Like that is, that is something that's like, that is indescribable that we're talking like, like miles up into the sky of like heightened emotion that's i'm just gonna stop talking about it right there because there's there's absolutely no no thing that is like that that's just something else man like i we i mean we could talk for until the day we died about those feelings and not even come close to describing it all right uh maddie i think that's like two episodes in a row now that i've gotten brian to talk like this (laughs) um you can venmo me or cash at me whatever works for you when she gets angry, you can just be like, hey, listen to this podcast. Hey, episode. remember those nice things I said in public? <laughs> <laughs> That's a different way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything, do we want to cover the rest of the hero's journey before we close things out? I do. I really do. Because we've okay. talked about so, the end. And so, and we've talked about the beginning of the end, which is the, the descent into hell. Well, I know for me... When it comes to video games, I'm a big fan of stopping before the hero's journey is finished. Mm. I don't finish games too often these days, but uh, but for this one, we should probably we should probably see it through to the end and actually uh, mm. kind of see see what happens. So so what's the next? What was it? The threshold? Did you say? Did you go any further than just the threshold? So you you pass the threshold and then you're on the journey. You're on the quest, right? That's where all of the the challenges happen. Um, and the challenges start to refine the hero. And they don't get any easier. No. Any game developer 
worth his salt, uh, worth their salt, knows that there is a progression to a game, and your character will get stronger in the video game. And to do that, you have to keep challenging the character, making things harder, progressively harder. And in I would literature, love if the hero's journeys got easier over time, <laughs> right? I yeah. say that. Pro- I probably wouldn't. Actually you probably like wouldn't actually. You would probably hate it. Um, but while I'm on the upward incline, I like the thought of it being not upward. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens when you get to the bottom? I would love to have this conversation, this same exact conversation after you play all of Final Fantasy 15, because there is a very <laughs> specific dungeon that illustrates this in a fantastic way. All right. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to touch on it. We'll bring so you, it back up. You get to the bottom. You get to rock bottom, bottom of the barrel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've looked at the hero's journey once or twice. I don't have it pulled up in front of me right now on purpose. I mean, in a general sense, in my mind, that's kind of the make or break kind of kind of moment. Yeah. Oftentimes, in literature anyway, the hero dies or comes so close to death that it's indistinguishable. In Harry Potter, in book seven, Harry dies. He has to die so that the the final Horcrux could be destroyed within his soul or whatever. So he dies, goes to the Harry Potter version of the afterlife, meets Dumbledore, who is his mentor, which is another character in the hero's journey, for one last push. And then Harry is reborn into into a man. The All of the books, he's been a child at school, but now he's sacrificed himself, died, and been reborn into a man who is now ready to face the ultimate evil. That's what as that's what rock bottom is. Is a figurative death of the old self in the <laughs> it's a figurative death in the most literal way possible. So can I ask, I mean, we have the hero's journey, but then in real life, you know, we don't always hear the story because it's not pleasant. Mm-hmm. But in real life, life isn't perfect. Pleasant things don't happen every day. Right. The Sometimes the hero's journey ends right there. And maybe when I was talking about, you know, folks will try to hop off the roller coaster instead of pressing pressing through it. And and maybe I mean that kind of reminds me about how it was spoken about some of that uh, experimental experiential training mm-hmm. and kind of mm-hmm. how things were talked about if like leaving during the experiential training is is much more painful yeah. and unhealthy mm-hmm. than either not doing it all, not doing it at all or making it to the end. People do throw their hands up in the air. And they do go back to that job that is so much more painful now because they were at the cusp. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. People do. I mean, we don't have to get all sad about it, but people do die. Yep. You know, there are very not super fun stuff in the world. And I, I mean, I don't know where I want to take that, but, you know, it is. It's important to, to acknowledge real life. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also important to know once you do know that you're on a journey and that these bad things, these very extremely painful things are doing something to you. They're 
challenging you and refining you into a hero. Yeah. There, it's not, this is something that, that you have to, this is something that you have to just get. You have to just experience this. You have to, like, I can't tell you how to do this, but you have to make all of that stuff, all of that pain and the challenges and the sicknesses and, and the death even, you have to make it mean something for you because that that is how you turn the death into a rebirth yeah so there's so there's death and then there's rebirth and then what uh what's the can what's the progression transformation you can't go back this is another point of no return once that old version of you is dead truly dead you cannot go back it's impossible to go back and so you i mean it it might take a long time, but if you regress, that means you haven't died. You haven't gone to the very bottom of hell yet. You haven't hit rock bottom until you know you can't go back. And you can't know that you can't go back until you try. Like It's, it's, a, it's a very intense place to be, but... Once you're there, and this is another choice moment, you can try to get off the ride here, but you can't really get off the ride here. You can try. It's not going to work. But once you take that next step forward, you will start to change on a deep, deep level. You will start to transform into a hero. And once you take all of the suffering and the challenges... And all of the lessons that you've made yourself learn through this journey, you start to apply those things. Then you start to transform. I'm sure that you have a story to tell about this in addiction recovery. Um, (laughs) This is the best, the absolute best part of working in addiction recovery is seeing this moment in the hero's journey. Seeing the first step into transformation after you've picked yourself up and dust yourself up. Not just you, I'm talking about the the plural you of all people. You're talking about when you kicked me to the ground and I literally had to get up and dust, dust Yeah, remember up. I pushed you into that pile of horse poo and you had to pick yourself up and yeah. transform. And then you were like, that's transformation. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was a dick move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do. I do, though. And I think I I think one of those moments I actually mentioned in the previous episode, we were in the lava tubes and, and I, we were up on that mountain. Like in the lava tubes, I remembered, I, I realized at the end of that, apparently not 20 minutes, apparently only a few minutes. <laughs> but I realized at the end of that, that I hadn't gone into just crippling, depressive or self-doubting thoughts, or I hadn't gone to uh, thoughts related to the addiction. I had just been at peace and then up at the mountain you know having that transformation of i wasn't just for me like it was all about emotions and uh, being able to be present with emotions and so on the mountain actually being able to experience and you know feel something when i was up there and not just sit there and analyze like what the group was doing or what the group dynamic was or 
um, something like that. We don't need to get into all of my <laughs> previous character defects, but the transformation was, is I was, you know, I, I was up there and I realized that I was feeling something and yeah, that was new. And then, yeah, I realized like, like, oh, this is, this has always been there. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is like, it's always been present. Yeah. Now I'm aware of it. Yeah. I think, uh, I think a lot about, uh, uh for business as well. And, and six success, um, I want to say success in general, but I don't, that doesn't, really feel right but i can't figure out why but success in business and like doing more in business or, or in whatever field that you're trying to do um it was very it was just very interesting to me listening to folks that were their environment was 100 percent of the time without any change the people that they were talking to and the places that they were let, let's say like uh, somebody that worked at a they worked at a factory all day every day or they worked this desk, desk job all day, every day. Or I spent some time at McDonald's. Listening to the people at McDonald's. And I, by that time, I had already had a different experience. So like I was there, but I have already, I had already experienced something different. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and Like a different job? Like a different level of work. Oh, Not yeah, an entry-level yeah. job. Basically. Right, right. You, you'd had promotions and, and been, had responsibilities. Yeah. and Yeah. Like, yeah, okay. You felt more meaningful at work, maybe. Is that a way to put it? No, I want to. I'm going to finish, and I think you'll understand kind of okay. what I'm going for. Okay. These uh, these self limiting beliefs that people have in regards to having success, and I want to put a caveat that like, like I'm almost paranoid on like there are things that like as far as you know discrimination and and there's you know things with you know different pay and all that. I understand that's you know that's a thing that happens. And I apologize if that's something that somebody experiences. I, I feel like that's not something I've had to deal with a whole lot, and I'm very grateful for it. And I you know I apologize for folks that have extra difficulties at, on top of the things that I've had to deal with. Listening to people talk and their self-limiting beliefs and the, the excuses they make and the reasons that they don't do something more versus like when I came on this most recent, but you know, before my team, in this other state, this other real estate team and like listening to just how the the boss of that company spoke and challenged like everything, you know, I would say like, I can't like, uh, I, like I can't do this or that this week and be like, he'll be like, why? He'll just stop like the whole conversation. Why can't you do that? Like what, what's like, what's stopping you? It's like, well, I don't know how to do this or that. It's like, okay, cool. Well, you have, you have five days until you need to do this. And you, you just said five minutes ago that you're not doing anything on Tuesday. So it sounds like you have an you have an amazing perfect amazingly perfect opportunity to grow to do this bigger thing by the end of the week. I don't know if that I don't know if that makes sense, mm-hmm. um, but just the the opportunity mindset and the growth mindset that you can find yourself within, and then just from being around those people, you become elevated and not in a pretentious way, but like literally your understanding of like opportunity and, and the things that you can do grow. Does that resonate with you? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. So he's acting like a, a mentor for you. Yeah. Showing, like the, uh, uh, just sh- like these, these like healthier environments. Can, mm-hmm. like, can I make a, I make a story that in some ways the place that you're working at now is a very, like is a very healthy place, mm-hmm. but are there differences between there and like when you're speaking to these professors and these like top of the field people in this in this psychology work that you're trying to do like is there a difference in your demeanor 
like your outlook when you're in the middle of interacting with these, you know, field professors and, and these, these people in this industry versus when you're, you know, working another uh, shift at a store? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. for sure. So that's that's, that's what yeah. I'm that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's not necessarily yeah. anything unhealthy about like there's there was nothing. I I'm so grateful for what I gained at McDonald's. Like I needed to be there. Mm-hmm. Just the, the importance of like recognizing that there is a difference in just like the the energy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, I absolutely get that. There's there's yeah, there's almost it's kind of a chicken and the egg um, conundrum. But there's a higher level of energy or understanding or uh dare i say enlightenment is almost requisite for higher levels of meaning and responsibility and like a better better environment at work right they go hand in hand and they they each influence and increase each other in turns yeah so I i think i went on like way way long about that but uh but that's just an experience that that was an experience for me in the work kind of in the work angle mm-hmm. of it. So you have the transformation. Yeah. You can't go back. What's the, so yeah. Can't go back. And like, that was a great example of a transformation. Cause it wasn't like, like you didn't actually die or like you didn't have your finger bitten off by a grotesque monster creature in a volcano like Frodo did. <laughs> but I can't go back. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's, there's like I recognized yeah. immediately like I can't ever uh, even the last like before that time the last time I was addiction free was 10 mm-hmm. years old. Yeah. And I can't remember anything I did before the age of 15, so I certainly <laughs> don't <laughs> have any emotional memory before, you know, before I was had a life of addiction. Mm-hmm. And so but now like, you know, I that was that was me at 20 uh 20 something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Even if I were to just go all the way back to the other side of the spectrum and just and just step out of recovery, which is always a you know that's always a choice that's always there. Yep. That doesn't mean that I can like I can't. I know that that's I know that it's out there now. I know that that experience and that type of experience and that understanding and that opportunity um, is out there. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like I would you know what all of my coping mechanisms, you know, I would go back to them and, and they feel there's just an added layer of, of emptiness to them now mm-hmm. because I have now experienced the thing that I was going for when I was using those coping mechanisms, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You experience something greater and they, so the lower things don't mean as much. They have less impact. It was different when I was using those coping mechanisms to seek something that I didn't understand Mm -hmm. versus using those coping mechanisms when I knew full well and I know full well how to have the true experience that I'm going for. Right, right. Um, Like there's there's so much more pain involved. It doesn't like it's so much more empty Mm -hmm. than it was before. It was already empty. Yeah. And so so, yeah, it wasn't this like spectacular thing. But in that moment, there was there was no going back. Mm -hmm. Right. So you you had been on this journey, challenge and learning and growth, and you stood at a moment with all of these things, and you saw, you described like seeing the step forward that you needed to take, that you couldn't you couldn't step away from, you could you had to take all of the lessons that you've learned, and step forward into something new. 
Yeah. yeah. And I mean, sometimes there's going to be a more active choice at that mm-hmm. transformation stage than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mine was, mine was like, there was an, ex- like I had been doing something, I'd been doing something very intentional on a daily basis since that point that I couldn't, uh, leaving in treatment was a bit of a bigger step than normal. Mm-hmm. But because of that momentum, I was able to have that experience in the middle of it amongst a ton of pain because there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of pain involved. Sure. With recovery. Growing usually hurts. Yeah. But uh but yeah, so so transformation and sorry sorry if you already mentioned the next one. What's what's after transformation? So after you've taken everything, you're at the bottom, you're in hell, you've died, you've taken all the lessons and you take that next step forward. That's transformation. After the transformation, the transformation will lead you into atonement. What does atonement mean? At one meant, right? Yes. Yeah. Becoming at one with reality, with truth, yeah. with meaning. You know, your high, your new higher calling. You're you're now at one with it. Yeah. I this I'm. So, my death uh, or revelation. Revelation is another word for like the death part of the hero's journey. I've mentioned on this show applying for grad school. Getting rejected for grad school was like the lowest part. That was like my rock bottom. This old part of me had died. It seemed as though my journey was at an end. I was stuck. I had failed or whatever. The next step presented itself to me in moving back to St. George and yeah. and progressing through um, my professional career and, and my education here in St. George instead of in Texas where I thought I was going to be. Um, that was a transformative step for me. With that came a shift in my long-term career goals from getting a PhD in neuropsychology to a master's degree in clinical health counseling. That shift, that change for me in my goals was a per, was profoundly resonant with something. Can't describe it. It resonated with something and now moving toward that is at one with you know whatever my new my new calling right i'm now in line or in tune or at one with my new calling of my my original my original goal was to be a therapist actually i'm now i'm back in alignment with that yeah and that's Which the is next totally step. like there's there's nothing wrong or right about coming to one conclusion or another or the same mm-hmm. conclusion that you had at one point in in your life mm mm-hmm. mhm I remember for me, I thought that, you know, I had been working at a place, a place of work for six years, which I was 21 at the time. So six years was a, just a chunk of my life. That's a long time. Yeah. Um, no, hang on. No, I got to redo that. Six. I started. Yeah. I started when I was 16. So I was 22. Mm-hmm. Is that six years? That's uh, yeah. So big chunk of my life. Um, and I realized that there was nothing else. I was nothing. There was nothing else there for me. I also wasn't really welcome there at the tail end of my stay because mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, it was like, I, I thought I had been progressing towards something and I just hit a brick. I hit a ceiling mm-hmm. and that felt super low. Went off to, went off to rehab. That was cool. 
<laughs> in but in other ways like there was you know there was some stuff to process of like like freak i'm, I'm at rehab mm-hmm. you know i, I get yeah. a, you get to process that yeah that's a big one um because there is stigmatism around that and then coming yeah. back and thinking like well i can i've been at x level before like i can just go apply for that level of work again in the working world and then based on results no matter what i thought about it based on results nobody nobody wanted me at that level Mm -hmm. and so that was another like just low point and thinking like nothing had you know uh and and right before i'm sorry the kind of the main point that i was trying to point out that i then forgot before i had left for rehab i had spent some time i had left that place of work once tried to go do something else in another state that totally like fell in shambles. And then I, I like mentally for me, I thought like, Oh, I came back and I was doing that thing where like I had come back, um, after having gotten on the roller coaster and I had come back defeated and it was never the same again. Cause it wasn't when I came back to that work, it really was a, di- a different thing. Mm-hmm. And if I had, if I had stayed, if I had literally waited two hours on a phone call I had made, I would have, had a job, I would have had a full-time job opportunity that would have sustained me in that other state. And the whole course would have gone differently. Wow. And so mentally, like th- that's what I did feel like, Oh, I, like I did fail and I did come back. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but I was mentally, I got, I got higher up in that, in that company, went to rehab, kind of another drop after rehab. I wanted to be another manager. Nobody wanted me as a manager. Mm-hmm. So I went to McDonald's. I didn't want to be a McDonald's. I had a lot of shame about being McDonald's, Yeah. but I needed to learn lessons there. Like I, there was no, I was not at all above working at McDonald's in any way, shape or form. And the people that, that I met there were, you know, examples to me in a lot of ways, which I wasn't originally willing to admit. And then going from there to, to other things and then putting me in a spot that I was able to do. Uh, I was able to freely pursue the thing that I'm now doing with the family, which is, uh, which is real estate. And so it's a weird, you know, I, I guess in a way, like it's only a true, def- like, I don't know, I'm going to say this and then you can tell me if, if this is just not, not correct. <laughs> Maybe like, it's only a true defeat. If like at the end of today, you don't do something to prog- like progress. And then it's only a true defeat tomorrow if tomorrow you don't do anything to progress. Like, yeah, the, those defeats, those defeats are only defeats if at the end you didn't, you still didn't, like, you never went past it. If, if those, like, 10 years down the road, you always hear people talk about it of like these crippling things that happened. Depending on their response to them, they, their story could have been that was where it all ended mm-hmm. or their response could be the exact like that happened, but it was only a speed bump because I kept going after that. That's exactly right. Uh, it's only a loss if, if like you said, if you stop there or if you didn't learn from it. If you didn't yeah. learn from it, then yeah, that was a defeat. If you didn't pick something out of the rubble of whatever that is and carry it forward then yeah that was a loss that was a defeat but as long as you pick as long as you keep going you're it's it was just another challenge right that was just another a trip and fall on the way down into hell right that wasn't yeah that's just part of the journey 
And so after right, so after yeah. the atonement, the 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 new realization of the true quest goal, right? You achieve the quest, you complete the quest, whatever. Then you return. Frodo returns back to the Shire after he destroys the the Ring and Mordor. And what did Frodo do? Because he was rich with his own wealth. Now he had he yep. was he was given gifts from all the kingdoms. Gondor gave him a, just like truckloads of money. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Gond- one of his Gondor best buddies. Him. Yeah, one of his best buddies, Aragorn, was now the king of Gondor. So he had all yep. kinds of he had all kinds of stuff. He went home and he shared it with his hometown. He just he propped up his hometown and elevated them because because of the refinement that he underwent on his journey. He made made sure his his life's goal after that point was lifting up everybody around him. And that's that's the hero's journey, folks. That's it. And like we mentioned at the beginning, Frodo went on another journey when he sailed west. That's it's all a hero's journey. And once you finish one, that's just the perfect time to start a new hero's journey. That's the perfect time. So what was the name of the last step? The return. The return. Okay. Yeah. In some like in some there's some kind of gift. So it can also be called the gift of the goddess. I think in the epic of Gilgamesh some goddess gives Gilgamesh like immortality or something. If I remember right, the the immortality that Gilgamesh gets is the story of the epic of Gilgamesh. So his like the immortality is oh, like being his, remembered his... forever. Yeah. Which is like a meta, like awesome thing. But yeah, that cool. could be totally false. I, I don't know. But yeah, that's the return back home. But like we talked about, it's it's never the same once you start. There's sorry, you just struck like a another like whole philosophical thing in my mind that we can't possibly get to. But <laughs> there's a story related. To, if you ever remind me during another episode about like that, the the immortality is the story. Oh um, yeah, yeah. There's there's a there's a whole other thing about that. Oh man, that's exciting. That's yeah. We'll have to uh, talk about that in another episode. But like one last thing about this whole journey. I really yeah. want to talk about Frodo here because <laughs> I mentioned before you have to make everything mean something for you. You have to make your own meaning on your own hero's journey. And you do that by carrying a heavy thing through the whole journey. Frodo carried literally, well, no, not literally. He carried the f- the metaphor for all of the darkness of the world the death yeah. the destruction enslavement evil will and malice and malevolence he carried the figurative representation of all of that around his neck the whole time that's what gave him purpose that's the heavy thing that he carried drove him through the journey. If you don't have that heavy, heavy thing to carry, you you won't make it. 
like you said, well, he Jordan, literally your, wouldn't have had to. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. You wouldn't have to, and you couldn't couldn't have yep. made it if he didn't have that purpose, that meaning. Like you said, Jordan, you wanted peace. That was your heavy thing that you wanted to get. You took the heavy, the big, huge rock of like, I want to feel peace in my life. And you carried that all the way through treatment or however long you carried it until you got there. And then at the end of that journey, that rock was, it was nothing. Now that rock has become a crystal that you carry around all the time. And it just gives you strength for the next hero's journey that you go on. We talked about having uh, South Peace, actually. That's, that was the, the gift of the goddess, you could say, at the end of your hero's journey. That now you have that forever. And that's part of you. The refinement process that you went through also refined the burden that you carried. Yeah, well, and it, I would say, you know, we talk about gift of the goddess. Like, I attained... Peace is very general. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that not that, but like peace isn't a constant thing. But I gained the ability on a daily basis to gain self peace, sure. not just after three months. Yeah. You know, I, I like I was able to acquire the ability to get it whenever I was aware and, and I wanted to, mm-hmm. and that was the gift. And I mentioned as a joke that I you know shows how honest I am about it. But like you were asking me about, we're going to talk about me. And I was like, oh, something, you know, something about constant anxiety. <laughs> but obviously, like, that is the gift that, you know, you can get philosophical or, or religious. But, like, that's a gift that's certainly very helpful for me in this hero's journey. Mm-hmm. And I get to take that and I get to learn. It just keeps going. Right. And the burden that you carry through your next hero's journey will refine with you and into you to push you through onto your next hero's journey. And it's just, it's a cycle. It's, that's, that's life. Like I said before, it's the most quintessentially human of all human experience. You know, Brian, I, I thought for a second earlier tonight that we were going to, we were going to have like a 40 minute episode. Oh, ye of little faith. (sighs) Anything else that you want to get off your, uh, your chest? Nah, man, just go pick up the heaviest rock you can find and carry it and go conquer something so i had immediate like russia ukraine (laughs) don't do that come on (laughs) like ah awkward Um, don't don't conquer ukraine please we don't need that anyways we can't end until we do a thunks question brian i i have a i have a thick boy for you oh good because this episode was so light it started off not really like we were talking about the call of the void. You were gonna you were gonna throw people off mountains. Yeah. Question number five hundred and fifty six oh, from the book of Thugs. Oh boy, let her rip. Do you need a good imagination to be scared? Hmm. I'm gonna say no. I don't think you need a good imagination to be scared. I think you have to have an imagination to be scared, because typically fear comes from not knowing something. But imagining what it could be, yeah, that's one way to look at the basis of fear or the uh, the root of fear, I guess. 
So uh, yeah, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say no. You don't need a good imagination, but you do need an imagination to be scared. All right, guys. Um, thanks for joining us for episode whatever it is, episode twenty nine, I think. Episode X. Episode X. Next time we'll talk about whatever we talk about. Remember, don't believe anything we say.